Montag lieben Klausen Globen. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures. Thus, keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode, the Rebels look to rescue Hera from the clutches of bitch wife Governor Price and Blue Husbando Grand Admiral Thrawn. There will be, and I love you, a kiss and a goodbye to a major player in Rebels. We're talking Jedi Knight this week. As always, I'm Hope. I'm joined by my co-podcaster, Chris Honeywell. How you doing, Chris? Hello. And no one cares about us because this week we have Candace with us. Hi, Candace. Wait. Oh, shit. Sorry, can you cut this part? <laughs> I am muted myself because I was worried about the headphones. Don't even worry about muting yourselves. And... Don't even worry about it, because then how can you laugh at my terrible acting? Okay, okay, good, okay. And it just wouldn't let me unmute, usually in Zoom, because I have to do it because my dog will randomly bark, and it just... <laughs> you know we're keeping I, all the I, same, right? I like dogs barking on podcasts. I have this theory... That all the podcasters' dogs are friends, and they communicate oh. to each other through the podcasts. I so, like that, too. So it's kind of important to let your dog bark and get out his message to whatever the other dogs are picking up. See, I just assumed he was being, like, really opinionated and disagreeing with everything I said. No, he's not even talking to you. He's talking to yeah. your podcasting yeah. partner's dog or some dog in, like, Cleveland <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> How do you know he's not trying to do his secret podcast? They might be. It might be all about like dog treats and which dog treats are best. Which and how lost cats are... are the worst, the worst, worst animal in all it of is, is, It could be cat? an anti-cat. It could be an anti-cat. Anti-cat. Yeah. I would hope his whole platform isn't just built around hate, though. No, <laughs> I, I, it's fifty percent chance that it's anti-cat or it's it's pro good boy. <laughs> I don't know. That was funny. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Candace, of course, you are from Geeky Girl Gab podcast. Tell me a little bit about Geeky Girl Gab. Well, we're a group of friends who wanted to have some more diverse voices talk about the geeky subjects and talk about more female characters and things like that. And you don't just do Star Wars. You do, like, a variety of different topics. Oh, yeah. We are huge fans of pretty much everything nerd. Uh, my co-host, Bray, just recently got into Avatar. I'm starting to read the Percy Jackson books. 
we're just a mixed bag of things. That's awesome. And um, the reason we online met each other is I was on your Rogue One episode a few weeks ago. Yes, and it was so much fun to talk about that amazing movie. We all had so many feelings. So many, and I'm so just absolutely embarrassed that I dropped part of my daddy list right in the middle of your podcast. <laughs> I kept that in there. So. I know you did. <laughs> I had to beep you out a few times. Well, you don't have to worry about beeping us out here. <laughs> <laughs> Heck no. Chris, it's uh, well, let me give our warning first. So if you are here and you're a Geeky Girl Gab listener and you're here visiting with us today because Candace is with us, I want to go ahead and give you a clear heads up from the start. We are a not safe for work podcast. We swear we're, we're, we are the quote unquote classiest podcast in the galaxy. Classy being we swear, I drink fizzy water, I burp, we make we have a dirty Yoda bit. So just a heads up for any new listeners that are visiting with us today for, with Candace. Don't listen to us with kids in the car. And yeah, you know, as soon as especially when you hear Yoda's voice, just just go like, yeah, that's that's not really Yoda, kids. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Don't do so, that to your kids. Yeah. So, and yeah. All right. Well, you guys want to talk a little bit about Jedi Knight? Definitely. What did everyone think of the episode? Candace, you go first. You're our guest. It was the first time I rewatched it because I cried the first time really bad. And I, I had a feeling... I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't think it was going to happen this early in the season. Yeah, this was the, uh, coming back from the mid-season finale. This was the beginning of the second half of the season. Yeah, can we just talk spoilers? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can okay. you can spoil into the future as far as you want to go. We, we yeah, we do it all the time. Okay, so I, I figured Kanan would die because he's not in the OG trilogy. Yoda doesn't bring him up when he's talking to Luke. So I was like, okay, Kanan has to die. But I thought it would be like in the finale. I did not see it coming with still so many episodes to go. I saw it coming the second time through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, obviously. But I mean, in the episodes before, like if you see it coming in the episodes before and in the in the front 20 minutes of this episode, you know, 15 minutes of this episode, it pretty much tells you, you know, he's, he's, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get into it more when we get into the actual story, but like they, they, you know, when you know, if you know what's happening, they, 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 they'd been building up to it, you know, before that when the first time, but yeah, I was surprised the first time I saw it too, that, that it happened, that it didn't happen at the end. You would think they'd do it at the end. I think it was a, a good idea dramatically for him to do that in the yeah. end. For, for me, it was interesting watching this the second time around because this aired back to back with next week's episode, Doom. So I've never actually watched it on its own without Doom attached to it. And it's been really interesting going through season four um, like this and separating the episodes because almost every episode was aired back to back all season. And this episode stands alone really well, but it makes me wonder if Doom would stand alone either, because when I watched this episode for the very first time, I was in shock by the time it ended, 
And I didn't actually start crying until about five minutes into Doom when I came off my shock and it really yeah. hit me. And Do- Doom is was... the morning and the and cr- the closure sort of for and, this episode. But watching it this time now, like knowing how the rest of the show goes, it still it hit me on its own without having the other episode attached to it. So, well, are we ready to get into it? <clears throat> Let's go. All right. <clears throat> Jedi Knight is the 69th episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on February 19th, 2018. It was written by Dave Filoni, Henry Gilroy, and directed by Saul Ruiz. Some extra information for you. This episode was originally titled Ascension Part 1, and Doom was Ascension Part 2. The Lothbats add to the story of the ecological destruction of Lothal. Lothbats used to live in the plains, but since the grasslands are now destroyed, they now scavenge the cities. The imperial mismanagement of the planet led the rebels to exploit them in this episode. After this conversation with Tarkin, Thrawn leaves the series for a few episodes to deal with director Krennic, trying to get the TIE Defender funding for his Death Star project. Thrawn's missing days in Rebels are continued in the novel Thrawn Treason, which sucks! (laughs) It's by far my least... (laughs) I hate this fucking book, which is by far my least favorite current Thrawn novel. But listeners, for us, uh, when Thrawn comes back, I'll give a summary of what happened during that book, uh, because it does have implications for Rebels. So we'll come back to Thrawn Treason in a later episode. In Rebels Recon for this episode, Dave Filoni talks about the significance of Kanan cutting his hair and shaving his beard. He says it's commitment to this moment, but also one of ceremony as he transitions as a character. Dave described it as a purification since Kanan will not be the same. Of course, because he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> that was what Dave Filoni said. He was like, yeah, Kanan's never going to be the same. And I that's, was like, Dave. That's quite, that's quite a euphemism there, yeah. <laughs> I know. That's what we're going to say at funerals. Yeah. They're never going to be the same. He'll Please. never be the same again. <laughs> anyway, they talked about wanting to evoke the idea of a samurai going into battle by stripping themselves of everything. Dave says that Kanan knows the possibility of his death and is very aware of it. Kanan understands that this is his role. It is not to die, but to be selfless. It's a very Jedi trait to do things for other people at the expense of yourself. Kanan was not killed to match up with the canon where Yoda says there are no Mm -hmm. Jedi during the original trilogy. He was killed because it was what was best suited the story. Also, apparently from day one of Rebels, Freddie Prince Jr., which is Kanan's voice actor, talked to Dave about the need for Kanan to die and was in full support of this. But none of the voice actors knew that Kanan was going to die in this episode. Not even Freddie. Dave Filoni didn't give them the last two pages of the script until the day of recording. He pulled them all aside, showed them the storyboards, gave them the scripts, and they were all devastated. This made their performance very emotional and raw. They also talked about, they being the other voice actors like Taylor Gray, they also talked about how this affected them all as voice actors. They always recorded together, and now Freddie was gone from the show too. It really affected their performances going forward because they missed Freddie's presence in the room. Which Can you just imagine kind of, that's how, how you find out you get fired? Be like, oh, my character's dead now. I'm not going to be in the next few episodes. Dave is if really. You, I feel if, like... you, if you think about the dialogue in the script at the end of this, they could have not. There, there isn't any dialogue about Kanan's death. They could have gotten away with just not telling anybody, and they wouldn't even have known till it came out if they 
wanted to be sadistic about that's it. That's actually what they did to Tia, Tia Sikar for uh, the finale. Like, they held her back while everybody left, and she recorded the epilogue, and then she joined all of them for dinner, and they were like, so what did you record, Tia? And she's like, I can't tell you, but I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't find out until they watched the finale together as a group, so. Oh, yeah, I remember Vanessa saying that she had no idea that Hera had a child. Oh, yeah, at Celebration. Oh, well, speaking of which, this is the first time I watched it knowing that Hera was pregnant at this time. Oh, it changes everything. I it changes so... everything. Oh, I... that's going to come up. <laughs> that's going to come up. <laughs> Have you watched the rest of season four before watching this? No, I haven't. Uh, all right, I'll give definitely give you a summary of my feelings when we get there because I... We'll get into it, but I actually have a lot of problems with how they write Kanan and Hera this season, because it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I love it, but I, I love it. I love it, too, but they're written like high schoolers. We'll get into I it. Will, I, I'll debate you on that. You give your opinion, and I'll, I'll give you my counter. Okay, but I've been going through season four. <laughs> okay, but I have rewatched. I've rewatched a lot of season four, but I haven't rewatched this episode. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Just not recently. Like, not this past month. You know who's also rewatched stuff recently in the past month? Oh. I'm so sorry, Yoda. I had no segue for you. Hi, Yoda. Yoda doesn't Yoda. know what you're talking about. Hmm? Yoda, we have a guest. I want you on your best behavior. How? So, Kanda, this is Yoda. Please feel free to make fun of him. Careful, he likes ladies. Jedi Master Yoda is. Mm. <laughs> He's also dirty. Please be careful. <laughs> oh, cute. Mm, yes. No, he's not. <laughs> Kenneth, did we lose you? <laughs> no, I'm still here. <laughs> I don't know how to respond. I just like the long, awkward silence, which is the appropriate response to our Yoda. Mmm, Yoda gets many long, awkward, awkward silences. Mmm. <laughs> yes, that's the stuff. Mm. That's the stuff. I have a feeling anything I say will be taken as dirty. He'll find mm. a way. Yes. Maybe? Yes. The answer to that question is yes. <laughs> well, here, I'll distract you. Yoda, I got a question for oh, you. Oh, question for Yoda. Yes. Yes. Yoda, yes. are you proud at the way that Kanan went out like a true Jedi? Oh, old Jedi saying, oh, better, better to burn out than fade away. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so uh, Anakin burned out? Yes, just like Anakin, yes. <laughs> Not that wimpy just fade out. Mm. Mm, fade out. Oh. Oh. oh, there's another... <laughs> no way for a Jedi to go. Mm. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> That's how Jedi go. Kaboom! Mm. Awkward silence. I'm so sorry, Candace. Just injecting. I, 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 I got nothing to add. How about Obi Wan? Obi Wan went out, faded away, 
but it was in a duel. Run, Luke, run, run. Mm. I think Yoda should run right about now. He's just waddling off. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kenneth. Sorry you had to see that. Sorry. Do you need here? Have some hand sanitizer. Please take all of hey, for my brain. I you you got off better that you 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 got away better than when um, John and Maria and her mom were here. He hopped right in her mom's lap and Maria was loving him. Oh, well, she's she's such a nice lady, and that's the thing. He takes advantage of that, you know. She she just had so much fun, and uh, Sean from Road of Fail podcast, he was just like, oh God, what is it? <laughs> it's just like when you go over to someone's house and they've got that old like old dirty drippy dog and it and it jumps up in your lap and they're just like no no don't let him up in your lap and you're like oh it's okay and then you end up just like covered in drool yeah that was maria yeah (laughs) all right so we ready again to act one yeah yeah i'm so i'm sorry i'm distracted i'm filling out the 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 paperwork for uh yoda's um Oh, what what the hell do they call <laughs> what the hell do they call that when you can't get restraining just, order? That's it. Oh, okay. I was gonna say you yeah. just failed that bit real hard there, Chris. I know. I'm <laughs> failing them all today. Absolutely, you are. All right. Act one. Act one. <clears throat> so a little bit of a recap. Last week, after a failed mission, General Hera Space Mom Sindula has been captured by bitch wife Arinda Price. And Ari is all like, I got you, Hera. By the way, I call her into Ari, just FYI. <laughs> and Space Mom was like, oh no. So Space Dad Kanan was like, I gotta go save my wife. But on the way to the city, the Lockwolves showed up and they were like, dude, chill and like calm down for a few moments. So Kanan halted his plans to go save his wife. For now, on to this week. We open with Kanan meditating on all the adventures he's had in the last four seasons. It's been some good times, some bad times. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That one in Chris. But overall, it's been a fun show. He's enjoyed being a main character for four whole seasons, which is way more than Kazuto Ziona can say. I love Star Wars Resistance. That joke hurt me to write. <laughs> that joke was painful. He feels the eyes of the Lock Wolves on him and he hears their majestic howls. And they're saying to him, Hey, Kanan! Hey! Hey, buddy, we're watching you! Come be one of us! We also hate your hair and your beard! Make sure you fix that before you become a Lothwolf! Okay, bye, Kanan! And Kanan's all like, Shut up, Lothwolf! I'm trying to be serious and stuff! Ezra comes comes up behind him, going, Dad, are you screaming at the Lothwolves again? And Kanan asks Ezra for a favor. Because Kanan loves his space wife so much, he wants Ezra to lead the mission. Kanan does not trust himself to think clearly. And Ezra reluctantly accepts. Kanan says it's what they need if they're going to save Hera. And then he pauses dramatically, looks into the sunset, and says, And everyone else. And Ezra's like, You're being weirdly cryptic today, Dad. Are you okay? And Kanan yells, Quick, roll to the title card so I don't have to continue this conversation. And the title card mysteriously pops up 
not mysteriously, <laughs> the title card conveniently pops up, and that's the end of the conversation. Meanwhile, bitch wife Arinda Price is just having the best time. She's getting to do her favorite thing in the world, torture people. And Arya's like, oh, General Sindula, I just love hearing you scream. Do it more. I'm so evil. <laughs> then things get a little bit more sexy because Blue Hispando, Ron, kicks in the door going, Hey, Ari, have you got anything about the rebels yet? And Arinda's just like, not yet! I'm just having fun! Theron rolls his eyes going, Ugh, you're such a psychopath, and you're wasting my time. Allow me to do your job for you. And he turns to Hera, turns on the charm, and goes, So, where's the rebels? And despite her pain, fear, and agnes... That one again. Despite her pain... Fear and agony, Hera pulls herself up, looks Thrawn in the eye, and says, Fuck off, asshole! I'm not telling you anything! And Thrawn whips out Hera's Calicori and name drops her family on Ryloth. He wants to know all about it, since he's going to give it a place of honor among his best adversaries, like a weird colonizer man he is. He goes on to Thrawn-splain her own culture to her, and reveals that Hera had a brother who died when he was really young. Hera doesn't give him the time of day anymore, so Thrawn leaves promising her that he'll forever and always love her Calicori. Once he's gone, Ari pulls herself a big glass of wine, saying, I only love art. Oh, I can't read. The only art I love is the art of pain. And she goes back to shoot, shocking the hell out of Hera while getting drunk on power. Back with the space kids, Ezra takes out his leader pedestal. Pedestal? Flat. Gets up on top of it and goes, Okay, guys, I have a plan. Bear with me, because it's a little bit crazy. And Zeb is like, This is Star Wars. All of our plans are crazy. Ezra explains that if they make gliders, they can just swoop into the city without being detected. The Empire's machines only look for high-tech stuff, like ships. Also, the Empire has destroyed the planet, so there's like a shit ton of lock bats flying around. They'll just blend right in with the bats. And Zeb thinks it's a really good plan, but they don't have any gliders. And Sabine throws open the door, yelling, Let's take a shopping trip to the craft store! Let's go! And the kids jump on their speeders and they drive to Michael's because fuck Hobby Lobby and their homophobic bullshit. Then we get a really strange musical montage where the music's like weirdly peppy and upbeat. And as the rebels put together some gliders from stuff they have laying around the camp, Kanan cuts his hair and his beard. The kids finish up the gliders and they're ready to go. Ezra says he'll go get Kanan, but Kanan's already, now that he has a new haircut and a shave. And in the distance, the majestic Lothwolves are like, Bro, we love your hair! We'll see you soon, buddy! What did everyone think of Act 1? Well. I thought the music was upbeat, too. It's so I, when weird. I was watching it. I was like, this doesn't, they're usually really good at having the music match what's going on. Maybe it was to trick us. Yeah, like it made, it worked for the kids building like the gliders, but when it came to Kanan, I was like hoping the music would be like more emotional. Yeah. It doesn't work for yeah. the overall, <laughs> for the, the short sequence it works, I guess. But in the context of the whole thing, it's kind of weird. Well, Candace, what do you think of Act One? What are some of your notes? 
Um, I liked the part that Hera had a younger brother, and of course she would never mention him, because why bring up that pain? It brings another layer to her relationship with her father. Yeah, I actually like flat out forgot she had a brother until the, until rewatching this. It was it was yeah. <laughs> That's a good point about her father though. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. losing not only his wife but his child too, and then hair is literally all he has left. It it adds a lot more layers to why he's so controlling. And yeah. she's a rebel fighter that's putting her life in danger at all times. So, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. too. Who like left when she was like seventeen or so. <laughs> Yeah, and hooked up with a Jedi like right away. <laughs> a drunk ass Jedi, for us a, to drunk, a drunk womanizing Jedi. <laughs> God, I love John Kanan so much. I know, I love that book this. so much. Oh, speaking oh, of which, hope is is this this torture scene like the ultimate hope S and M porn for Clone Wars? I was watching it going, oh my God. No, no. Th- you know, I, I one thing I do take a lot of like issue with, and I go back and forth between it. Book canon book Thrawn, not Legends, because Legends Thrawn is a totally different beast. But canon book Thrawn versus Rebel Thrawn does not meet up, <laughs> and like like because Rebels Thrawn is like, yes, I will torture and destroy and stuff, and then you get Book Thrawn, he's just like. I love all life, and it's all important, and this is my best friend, Eli. Let's look at our Eli, and Eli's like, my God, get me out of here. And, like, it's it's so maddening as a Thrawn fan, seeing them just not mesh together. <laughs> it hurts my feelings. Yeah, I wonder why that is. You would think that the books being more from adults, I don't know. I, 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 I'll, I'll go into this later on when we get into the Kanan and Hera stuff, but... Like, I think a lot of the writing for this show is made with the concession that it, that it, whether the audience is younger or not, uh, that they were going to have a younger audience than, say, Clone Wars. So I think, I just get the impression that they, they adjusted the writing for that, you know? So this, so this might be a Thrawn that's more compatible. They're trying to, split the difference between Thrawn for adults and the Thrawn that kids can wrap their heads around without making him too sympathetic, sympathetic or too scary at the same time. That's true too. And he's a very, he still has some nuance to him in the rebels role. Mm -hmm. There is still like, he's different than any other Imperial we meet in the series and even in the movies. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so, it's it's very jarring because he is, the first Thrawn book, 2015 Thrawn, the big bombshell is that he's probably actually a good guy because he's infiltrating the Empire for the Chiss Ascendancy. He's not actually working for the Empire, he's working for his people back home, which is just the biggest game changer that they've never gone back to in any other media. And it's, it's crazy because it absolutely changed my entire view on the character. But now, like, when I go back and I see... And, like, he's also very much probably playing a role. He's having to play the role of Imperial in front of, like, Arinda Price, who is a governor and who has ties with the higher-ups like Tarkin. So, like, I understand that from the point of view of here that he's playing the role of Imperial a lot of the times, which is how I, I justify in my brain that it matches up with 2015 Thrawn. It's just still weird. 
like two soggy puzzle pieces trying to fit together. Just uh, just for reference, Hope, Hope is a big fan of Thrawn. I am not. <laughs> he does not like Thrawn. I'm not a, um, I'm not a fan of Thrawn or his characterization, the the way he's been characterized in Legends or in in the newer version. I, I don't well, blame Thrawn as much bad. as the writers of Thrawn, <laughs> as Timothy Zahn and his modern writers than than I do actual Thrawn. But what, what were you saying, Candace? Oh, I, I'm like I know Hope's a fan because of her freaking profile picture on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Thrawn, <laughs> and I liked it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, he's my blue husband. Though. I love him. <laughs> he's up there with Toast Daddy, Black Metal Daddy, Grande Boyfriend, <laughs> all of the daddies. He's on the daddy list. It's fine. Chris, what were some of your notes for Act One? Well, I had I only had two, and the one was uh, Hope Sess and M Porn, and then thanks, man. The the, lo- the Lothbats part made me realize, man, there's some lazy animal writing for 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 this planet. <laughs> you know, it's you know, you know what I'm saying for what for for one, they're all Earth animals with just Loth. There's loth cats, loth bats, loth wolves. And, like, we don't go around on Earth going Earth cats, Earth wolves. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. It, is every animal, like, an Earth name there with loth put on the, the beginning of it? It's very Smurf-like. And, no, that's uh, and, what I hope. Like, they have, like, this is a loth tree. This is a loth house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a loth sloth. <laughs> so so i just thought that I, I i i never really thought of it until the third loth animal clicked into place with the loth bats and i'm just like wait a minute <laughs> everything they they name everything everything after their planet on this planet that's odd yeah, but that's all i really <laughs> loth cats are called tukas oh okay like tuk- yeah so that even loth cats are cousins <laughs> Oh, one thing that I found out was during Kanan's meditation, when you were saying, like, he hears all these voices and he flashes back, he hears Ezra say, you didn't prepare me for this. And that's not actually said until Doom. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. That that kind of feeds into my theory that the Lothwolves have been telling him the future when they yeah. were talking. So... He's so yeah. I, I I think by the end by the by by the beginning of this episode, Kanan knows what's going down, like bit by bit. He's the the Lothwolves have laid out what's going to happen to him in the next couple days, because mm-hmm. apparently it's very important. The dogs aren't trying to do a podcast. They're trying to tell us the future. <laughs> Our podcast dogs are yelling at us like, buddy, you're going to die. Yeah. We've been trying to tell you about the COVID the entire time. They're, 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 they're warning us about some obscure actor who's just emerging now and who's going to be the world dictator. And they're just like, that guy doesn't smell good. We're trying to tell you. You keep giving him Oscars. Oh, my God. <laughs> Candace, did you have any other uh, notes for Act 1? Um, no, most of my feelings are in the next act. <laughs> All right. Um, for me, um, I just really like the act of Kanan asking asking Ezra to take the mission. And it, it's 
they've always written Kanan very well, like balancing his attachment with his Jedi-ness. And I like that he realizes, like, I'm not going to think clearly at all. I need you to tell me what to do. And it's also important that he trusts Ezra that much to give him this very important mission to save his space wife. So I just really loved that scene. It's, it shows how much he trusts Ezra and it also shows how much he loves Hera. And it also just shows his growth and he realizes that he's emotionally compromised by her, for lack of a better term. I mean, also, like, with Kanan cutting his hair, it's almost because, you know, when they become masters, like, they cut off, or uh, Jedi Knights, they cut off their Padawan braids. And it's almost like he's passing the torch to Ezra as well. Like, I'm cutting my hair because you don't have a Padawan braid. And so this is me trusting you with the future of Jedi stuff. It's definitely a blind man's haircut. I thought it was more he was going back to Caleb. Yeah, that too. That's what I think he was like, okay, I'm cutting, I'm going back to my start. I'm going, I'm accepting that I am Kanan, but I'm also Caleb. And I need to be Caleb to be able to save Hera. The answer is C, all of the above. All of it, all of it. And then I just always love how they write Thrawn, this very colonizer mindset. He just... It's such a prominent theme in the Empire anyway, because they're always trying to pretty much whitewash everybody and all the cultures and all the aliens. But here he is playing colonizer as well. And I've always liked that nuance of how they written, how they write Thrawn. Definitely. It's creepy. And he's like yeah. Thrawn explaining Calicors to Hera. And she's just like, dude, shut up. <laughs> um, and once again, his, his super smart brain galaxy brain plan to get her to talk didn't work (sighs) Chris didn't I know did not work shut up I know Ron's not perfect like I make him in my brain 3D chess did not play out this time no so far I don't think it has played out at all it has you just want to (laughs) well he I know I know I know that I know that he uh checkmated your heart in three three dimensional chess hope what were you saying candace i'm saying he found out about callus with his love of art yeah and zero hour he chris refuses to accept that zero hour was a thrawn victory no matter how much i bring it up <laughs> it was okay <laughs> um and my last note was just kind of some background about hair cutting and the importance of it so i pulled from two different articles um, one was from Anime News Network, but they had listed several sources from their article, and the other one's from TV Trope. So I just wanted to read this just to kind of give some background, especially since they said in the Rebels Recon that they were pulling from samurai. So you said, The meaning comes from the Edo period, when samurai would cut off their top knot, or uh, kromage, I can't talk, as a way of stepping down from their position. The hair chopping was greatly symbolic. That top knot was originally there to support a helmet, but eventually it became a status symbol, and cutting it off signaled the end of an era of that life. And after that, they would no longer enjoy a higher social status. And then the other one said, when a character cuts off their hair, it often symbolizes a rite of passage or a bout of character growth. Parting with it voluntarily voluntarily can be greatly symbolic. Cutting one's own hair is also part of the path of enlightenment, so anime and other media examples might draw from this as an illusion. And I, I liked the whole point about that when it was talking about the social status, because the Jedi 
have almost always had this like really high social status. I, I started really thinking about it during the Clone Wars episodes with um, Ahsoka, Trace Martez, and Rafa Martez, because they are they're down in the lower levels, and the Jedi are like up here, and they're privileged ass people. They might dress like monks. But they're really privileged people. They don't have to worry about anything. They get money given to them. They don't have to worry about having jobs or making food or anything. It's just given to them. And I like this idea of him going back to basics, of stepping down. And kind of like what you were saying, like he was becoming Caleb again. And having to step down from that position of being a Jedi and just being Caleb. I just missed like five notes together. (laughs) It was basically it was his Britney Spears moment. No, it's not. I'm going to talk to someone who actually has <laughs> something Jesus. to say. <laughs> no, I really, I really like that moment. And like Harris said, he had it had it that short since they met. And I feel like him growing his hair out, him growing a goatee or later beard was another way to kind of hide his identity. Yeah. And he is transitioning, only the transition doesn't last that long. (laughs) He will Um, never be the same again. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's all I had for Act 1. Did you guys have anything else? I'm ready for Act 2. All right, Act 2. Actually, let me get a drink of something. Mm. All right, got the drink, going to hear the burp. Uh, All right, Act 2. Here we go. I told you we're the classiest podcast in the galaxy, complete with birthdays. Act two. It's time to start the mission to save Hera. Zeb doesn't know it, but he says his goodbye to Kanan by saying, I'm glad the force is with you. And then I like cried for five minutes, you guys. Oh my God. They attach the gliders to Zeb's speeder. Sabine and Ezra are dressed like Imperial pilots while Kanan is just free Jedi-ing it. Zeb and Chopper rev up the speeder. He punches it, and they pull the gliders along behind them. Ezra, Sabine, and Kanan take to the air, and Zeb wishes them luck as they fly into the sunset. Meanwhile, back with the baddies, fucking Tarkin, a.k.a. Farkin, is is calling up Thrawn, going, Ugh, Thrawn, I need your help. Director Krennic from Rogue One is being such a little bitch. Oh my god. He's the worst. He wants all the money from your TIE Defender project for his stupid Stardust project. Do you have the time to come help me out with this, which ends up being the entire plot of your next novel, Thrawn Treason? And Thrawn is like, I really don't have time to spend a week in an entire novel. I have a lot going on here on Lothal. And Farkin smiles and goes, Eli Vanto will be back in the book. And Thrawn's like, My best friend Eli will be in this book! Awesome! I sure hope I don't ignore him for 400 pages, because Timothy Zahn forgot all of our character development from the first novel. I'll be there soon, Farkin! And then Thrawn goes on to forget about his best friend for 400 fucking pages, and won't be back for a few episodes. Guys, I really fucking hate Thrawn Treason. Anyway, a couple of lovely dumb stormtroopers are being really dumb, and they're on a base trying to ignore the Lothbats flying overhead. They don't see the space family soar in over them. Theron's buddy Rook rolls all up in there going, Hey Stormtrooper idiots, anything to report and- <sighs> Wait, did you pick that up, Chris? Did 
Do I need a sniff again? Did you get that? <laughs> you got, I got the sniff. I got the okay, sniff. I just want to make sure because I, I got really close to my mic. <clears throat> and he starts smelling the air. <laughs> Thank you. It doesn't smell like Lothbat. And Rook is onto our heroes. Who land on the Imperial Dome in the city. Ezra's all excited because their plan is working. And Kanan takes his son aside and goes, Ezra, I'm super proud of the Jedi you've become. Everything you've learned will serve you forever, and I'm always, and forever and always, and I love you, my son. And Ezra's like, Dad, you're being really weird today. Are you okay? But before he can answer, Sabine breaks up their conversation to get back to the mission. Sabine and Ezra are going to get the ship while Kanan looks for Hera. Kanan stops them before they can leave, and he says their fi his final words to his children. Kids, may the Force be with you. I'm super proud to be your dad, and to see the young people you've become. And I, I know you're gonna do really great things, kids. Don't look at me, children. I'm emotional, but I love you, and you need to stay in school. And I don't remember me. that part. This is how I do my reviews. I, I, I know. I, I know. <laughs> and he forced jumps off the building before they can ask about it. Climbing down, Kanan senses Hera's calicory in Thrawn's office and retrieves it. Back with bitch wife, Ari is all fed up with torturing Hera, so she injects Hera with truth serum, drugging her into being delusional. Apparently, it only turns off Hera's filter, according to Dave Filoni in an interview, but it's drugging. Let's not mesh words here, you guys. No more jokes. There's no jokes. Hera is drugged in a kid's show. Her body is being violated. Her autonomy is being stripped away from her. And we're supposed to laugh at this woman being drugged for the next 12 minutes of this episode. It's absolutely disgusting and gross. Anyway. Oh, yeah. That's the majority of my Act 3 notes. <laughs> anyway. Hera sees Kanan outside and truthfully, and truthfully answers that the rebels are outside. Ari thinks she's just being delusional. Suddenly, Rook kicks in the door, going, Governor Price, I think we have a problem. I can smell a thing. And Arya's like, yeah, you are a smelly little thing. And she leaves with Rook. Once they're out of the room, Hera looks at the two guards and goes, Just FYI, bros, you're about to die. And sure enough, Kanan cuts the floor out from one of them and throws the other guard out the window. Kanan releases Hera and sees that she's been drugged. He very gently helps her to the window, but she stops and says, Boo, I hate your hair, but it does remind me of the first time we met, so it's really sweet. And he gives her the calicory. But before they can have a touching moment, the Imperials start cutting through the door. It's time for them to get the heck out of there. Bum, bum, bum. What'd you guys think of that too? Candace, you go first. Um, yeah, let's talk about the hero being drugged thing. I have we saw the Imperial droid before in A New Hope with Leia, but we had no idea exactly what went on there. I mean, we do if you read the books, but in the movie, it's yeah, very... You, you just see the needle <clears throat> going in in the movie. You don't know if they're just going to poke her. With, I mean, you, you sort of yeah. assume they're going to inject her with something because that's... But yeah, it's just sort of... The door closes. Actually, actually, like the needle administering truth serum is actually a little less like scary than like <laughs> it could be poking your eye or something like that, that you know, true. but still it, like I was hoping I were talking about this 
was it earlier today? Oh, I think it was earlier yeah. today, like uh, in a message. And and that truth serum trope is kind of like an old trope. And I think it's like sort of disappeared lately because of stuff like roofing. And, you know, I think yeah. there's more of a consciousness about that sort of thing. But like, it's just such an unusual, like, to choose that that's how they spend their last moments together with her with her drugged and i mean it's it's usually used for and they, they sort of use it for humorous effect in here because somebody has truth serum so they're they, they you know they'll say things that they that they normally wouldn't say or or stuff like that but that plays into what's annoyed me all and and hope through this about how they portray their relationship and which I, is oh go ahead which is i don't you know i mean they're they're grown adults they're grown adults that have had a sexual relationship for years or i'm it, it, well maybe not a sexual i'm assuming that it was a sexual relationship it certainly was I assume that up, too it certainly was up at least up until the last few months since she's pregnant so the the you know and i know there are people who like have like things against telling other people they love them and everything like that. But their relationship is to the, to the point of where it just doesn't seem like a truth serum would be necessary for them to, for her to acknowledge their relationship. And if it was necessary, they could have built it up a lot more in the, in the past with the relationship or, or at least been like, you know, heroin, you know, they never really, discuss like oh hair you know they're in a relationship but hera won't take the step i have a head canon about that yeah i have a head canon about that okay well one they don't share a bedroom because ezra could have had his own bedroom this entire time they just bunked up like healthy adults in a relationship do Mm -hmm. and i think there was like a kind of like hera put like a line in the sand like we never see them being affectionate with each other even it's like kind of some unspoken thing they call she calls him love they obviously you know care about each other but they only hug we never see them kiss until this season so i feel like saying i love you is this line in the sand for her i yes i agree but i I disagree with the part about not being affectionate with each other um i think there's it's so heavily implied that they are um there's you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and get into my Act Three note since we're here. I know. Well, I I do think they are affectionate. They are affectionate. They hug each other. They touch. Uh, but like, they aren't like kissing each other or anything like that. Nothing that you wouldn't do with a friend. At I, least in public. I think they're very private. Yeah, and that's that's my thing. I think there's so much that we don't see. I. I went back and I rewatched the very first short of Rebels, which came out oh, before I the show love started. That one. Yeah, and it's with, the machine. With her piloting and they're like yeah. a little married couple. Yeah. But in that one, like first short of Rebels, before the show even airs, she calls him love. And when Chopper comes in, they're leaning in towards each other's faces, like they're about to kiss. And then when Chopper comes in, they pull back. And this this is okay, let me catch Candace up to speed and any new listeners we have. Kanan and Hera, for three seasons, have been written really well. 
They're clearly a couple. They're clearly together. They clearly love each other very, very much. And then and it's written there. It's on the wall. Everybody knows it. When they actually do first kiss, the kids know it. They're just like, look, about damn time. They're kissing. Thank God. We all knew. It, it was, it's this big open secret that we've been, that's been really well written for three seasons. I didn't they, think it was like finally or anything like that. It's like, oh, mom and dad are kissing again. Not like that too. That works. Well, just I always, as well. I always got the, I think the it's impression. That, I think we all have pet cannons of it. It, it I, it's like you can write your own. I got the impression that everybody's reaction to them kissing was similar to like when somebody like comes out to their family and their family goes, "Yeah, we knew. <laughs> yeah. We knew all the time. You know, we're, we're glad you told us or whatever." But like, I mean. I mean, every everybody there is are adults now. So like when they're kissing, like I, 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 my head. I don't know if this is what you'd call it headcanon, but my my theory is is the writers were were trying to like like with Thrawn split the difference between you know is this a show for adults or kids and yeah, like they're trying to play to the kid you know to to kids like the kissing is gross they don't want to see the the you know i mean the kids also, too I, I don't know i don't know about the, kids they're not married people don't share a bed but when i was <laughs> I an mean, eight only year married old kid, share a bed. if i was an eight-year-old kid i the the thing i would be least interested in was any of the romantic interests in in the show you know so i i don't know if they're trying to like write it more from a kid's point of view so they're like more coy and just kind of like it's it's not even from a little kids it's like sort of a middle school yeah like relationship and, thing of just like ooh, are they together you I know and, like it here oh go ahead being from like ezra's third person point of view kind of like uh i hate using the example of harry potter because i'm so mad at jk rowling right now Same. and probably will be for the rest of my life yeah. <laughs> but it's we only know like what Harry knows and what Harry sees. And there are some scenes with Ezra not there, but he's our point of view character. Yeah. That makes sense. To, to continue what I was saying and to go off, off what Chris is saying too, this is my problem with season four is that for three seasons and a novel and stuff like that, they've written Kanan and Hera very well to the point where we all just kind of assume that they're together. We just know if if Hera's mysterious boyfriend suddenly showed up, we'd all be pissed, right? They've been really well written, it mixed in with the rebellion and the Jedi stuff for three seasons, and then you get a season four, and out of nowhere, Kanan's just like they, they all turn into fucking high schoolers. Where Kanan's just like Hera, I don't know if you like me anymore. Do you like me? Like in Heroes of Mandalore, he's just like. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And she's like, what are you talking to me about if I like you? And he's like, yeah, do you like me? Check a box. Yes, no, maybe. I don't know. And he's then, not like that exactly. He's just like, he wants he wants assurance. He wants words, which is understandable. But she's like, I'm a general in the rebellion, dude. I got shit to do. Yeah, but then they start just writing drama for the sake of writing drama when they don't need to do that it's if it, that's what it feels like to me is that they're suddenly in season four like i don't know do you like me and Hera's like why are you talking to me about feelings i thought this was we knew we don't have to talk about our feelings when they clearly have had sex and they she's pregnant right now and that's 
Jason Sindula is the what is the kicker to me of this whole like, oh my god, I like you really? I don't know if I like you. Do I like you? And I need an answer now. They've clearly had sex. It wouldn't be you a could problem. Have sex about feelings. We're talking about feelings. I know, but I, I figured some... it was kind of like on the side kind of thing that occasionally yeah. when the kids were out of the shit, you know. I, I, I don't. <laughs> like, I don't see. I don't see them as they, they don't act like friends with benefits, though. You know, they act like a they, real. They've been together that, 10 years. Like, I, I picture partners. Rebels as almost like this parallel Star Wars. Like, they, they almost run the stories parallel with the other Star Wars movies. Not not in time, but they have characters and aspects that are very similar to the movie characters. But I've always found felt that in Rebels, all the characters are better adjusted than... than regular star wars characters they don't have a lot of that they, they, they have their faults but they don't have like the stunted emotional they have problems with their parents and you know they, they a lot of them have dead parents and dead family and stuff like the regular star wars characters but their the relationships that that form in it are are more mature and the characters are more like well-adjusted to themselves so you get a sort of like picture of how some of the star wars characters and star wars stories might have been a little different if the characters weren't so weren't so um i don't want to say broken but didn't have like like the trauma and and trauma and drama that they have and and you also have more time because it's a tv show Right, yeah. right, right, and it spans the course of years and stuff. But you get to sort of see characters that that like, ha- like develop healthy emotional bonds, you know, instead of just sort of being thrown together in their drive. And that's you know a, a a a function of it being a TV show, of of course. But I, I've always enjoyed it like that because it was sort of like, you know. Here's here's what these characters from Star Wars would have done if they had more time and were, you know, generally more emotionally, not mature, but developed. And and I I, I don't know. I I can't really articulate it perfectly. It's ironic that the animated characters feel more human like than the ones that are on live action. The way they talk, the way they react to things, you feel like. That's how I would react if I was in that situation and maybe if I had some Jedi powers, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. going back to Hera and Kanan, what I liked about the relationship was it was open to her interpretation. You could kind of like read what you wanted into the relationship. Like if you were a kid, they're just mm-hmm. really good friends, mm-hmm. you know, they're BFFs. That's all. I don't know how that baby happened, but they're just BFFs, you know, I'll get my parents to explain to me later. Or... If you're, like, an adult and you can see kind of, like, oh, they're actually, like, in a semi-healthy relationship. They're in a partnership. And they're totally getting down and dirty whenever they get a chance to. Uh, Or you could think that maybe they have a complicated relationship. It's just open to interpretation. I agree with that. I mean, I – and I just want to say, my criticisms are just for for what I think. Like, I – I feel when it came to season four, their entire writing this season just felt like it was writing drama for the sake of having drama when pretty much all the fans knew since their very first short that they were together or, or at least assumed they were, huh? 
Well, could it be that Kanan was feeling insecure because he felt like the end may be coming? I think so, yeah. I mean, that's what I kind of read into it. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, I this... never like thought it was like they weren't together because of season four. And then so many I... in season four, they're like questioning each other's relationship. He's like, well, do you love me? And she's like, yeah, we've been pregnant. <laughs> I just figured, like, it's like, he's like, okay, but I want, like, it verbal. I want to get married kind of thing while she's like, we can't do anything official. You're a freaking Jedi. I'm a rebel leader. I don't think gotta... it, him being a Jedi has ever been the problem. Yeah, it's, yeah I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're, they're not have been made. Even... <laughs> they're not even official, like, I mean, military... a, a new dawn is very clear about that, that he, him being a Jedi, he slept around. Being a Jedi was not right. the problem. People, people in the military get married to each other. You know, I mean, it's, it, it happens. I don't know. Hera's very, she's very, what is it called? She's very, not narrow-minded, but she's very focused on singular-minded. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think and, that's why it was so important. A few episodes. Oh, what episode was it? Um, a couple episodes ago when he was questioning, like, what are you going to do after the rebellion? And she said, well, I've never, I haven't thought about that yet. I haven't thought past beating the empire. And he was like, well, maybe that means you haven't thought about us. Like, I actually really liked that scene because I, I, that's where I absolutely agree with you, Candace, that she's very, she's so focused that it's not focused on them. Yeah. That their relationship isn't the most important thing in her life while Kanan I think it is for him even though she does clearly love him yeah and but she was the one willing to let Kanan go at the end of season one remember that for the cause mm-hmm. and it was Ezra and Sabine and Zeb getting in trouble yeah and what she eventually went along with it too I mean yeah but she had to have the push from Ezra. Yeah. But I don't... It's 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 a me criticism. I I don't like how they write it, which makes the whole truth serum ex- even extra skeezy. Because let's let's go back to the truth serum. This, this is how okay, it yeah, all started. Yeah. It's gross. It, it is. It is so gross to, to see... And the fact that they play it for humor, that we're expected to laugh at a drugged woman for 12 minutes... It's gross. Well, especially since it's the last time they're going to be. They sort of play it off to at the end when she's getting on the when she's getting on the glider and she's like, "I'm driving," and I'm like, "Oh, great! Now we're gonna get into a DWI moment here too." You know, <laughs> she shouldn't be driving while intoxicated, but then she's like, "I'm clear-headed now," and and like, yeah, I. It just fell flat for me as a as humor or as something that was, you know. It makes his death even more tragic because she's going to be trying to replay those moments over and over again for the rest of her life. But she's not going to know what's real or not. It's like a dream thing. And he looked different, you know, where he he comes in with a new haircut and Mm -hmm. stuff. So, yeah, it's it's Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be tough for her. Yeah. I actually, well, I just, uh, oh, go ahead. It just adds to the tragedy of it. I actually threw in um, it, uh, a link to a Twitter thread that somebody wrote back in 2018 after this episode came out. Um, and let's see. Um, this is by Zenad X-E-N-A-D-D on Twitter. And she wrote uh, this very, very, very long t- thread. But some of it was, 
Have you ever been drugged? Non-consensually drugged, that is. I have. It's awesome. I mean, it's awful. Sorry, <laughs> I misread that. It's awful. You have no control. You don't know what you're doing or saying. Your body is he- is this heavy alien object, and your mind is unleashed, and you don't know why, and it's terrifying. And then the next day, you don't know why or how or what. You won't remember anything. You'll just have disjointed memories and no context for anything at all. Hera is going to have horrible confusion, disjointed memories for her final moments with Kanan. But it was funny and romantic. Hera had no, she meant that sarcastically. Hera had no say in that, no choice. She had, she had no mind or body and it was, her control was stripped. Plus her last moments with Kanan was robbed and we're supposed to cheer then gasp and feel the feels. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she's just going to be, her entire last final moments where Kanan is just completely cheapened. Well, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'll get more into his death in the next act, but like, it's very, it's, it's the, the way they pull it off. I half love it. And yeah, but that takes away from it, you know? Yeah. Um, hmm, do I want to go? I, I don't, I, I shouldn't say I love it. I love how they did it. And for the most part, I don't, I don't feel like it cheapens it. I think it, like I said before, it just makes it more tragic. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't think it needed to be done at all. Um, the way, like looking at back at season four and how it's set up to this point, Hera, you know, Keenan was just early on in the season. He was like, "How do you feel about me?" And she's like, "You know how I feel." And he's like, "I want you to say it." And then he comes back to her again late, a few episodes later, and he was like, "Well, have you thought about what we're? You're, have you thought about us at all after the rebellion?" And she was like, "No, I don't really know about this." And then they had their first kiss, and then she left, and then. Up to this point, like the episode before this, Rebel Assault, it was a horrible, horrible loss. She almost died in the mm-hmm. the crash back to Lothal. And they could have easily written it to be that being the moment where she realized, oh my god, I could have died without ever telling Kanan I loved her. Right, right. And having that moment then here where they're together on top of the fuel thing and her going... Kanan, I almost died last episode, and you're right. I need to tell you that I love you. And then everything. And you, she didn't even need truth serum. They could. They've already had well, the entire setup for this fucking season. It's like the. It's like they. Ha, it's like the writers have to put something at all times in between their relationship, and that moment, their last moments together, would have been the perfect opportunity to have them be person to person, moment of truth, you know, and have that real moment between the two of them but it's almost like the writers don't just don't want them to really have it you know and and this time they they have it but there's that that layer of abstraction put on it by having her you know and and on one level on like a surface level it's like oh it's a truth serum so now she can finally admit the truth but that's just that's very high school thinking it's lazy it's lazy writing it's lazy yeah exactly and and it's it's like if you're gonna if if you're gonna go and put those layer you know put something in between the relationship all the way through it's gonna make it that that would be good in building it up to the final moment where they don't have that where they have an honest moment between the two of them but they never let you have a completely honest moment between the the two of them it's always either interrupted 
or it's cut with some sort of like, oh, they're kissing, you know, it's always, it's, it's, it's always, it's, it's like a lot of the um, modern comedies, whenever something seriously serious happens, or not even comedies, but like in movies where something serious happens, they feel like they have to cut it with humor all the time. And that's almost like they, they almost like it's almost like they it's almost like they have to sprinkle a little candy on top of it so the kids won't get grossed out or something. But geez, if you're writing something like that, you can gross out the kids for two or three seconds. They'll be okay. They'll get over it. Candace, anything else? Um, no, I think you guys covered everything. Um, well, you, you know, we you, gotta, can, you can disagree with us. <laughs> I mean, again, I just, I like the fact that it's open for interpretation. I like to fill in my head cannons for things like that, especially since mm. it's a children's, um, show. So my head cannon is they were getting hot and heavy all the time they could. You know what? That's perfectly okay. <laughs> You're allowed to disagree with us. <laughs> I here here's what I do. You love it twice as much for me, and I'll hate it twice as much for you. Ooh, deal. Cancel each other out. I might. I I admit, like Rebels is very important to me, so I'm very blinded by my love of it. Oh, so, I love. Don't get me wrong. No, I, love I know you love it, but it's just it's very hard for me to even be critical of it because uh, I I believe represents. I believe criticism is a form of love because this is not a perfect show. No, it's not. It definitely isn't. It it gets too kiddish. It 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 does some whiplash with the ages. It's a lot, which I will mm, admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I criticize because I love the show and I I want it to be better than choosing to drug a woman for humor. Yeah, it was it was a very odd choice, but at the same yeah. time I understand because it is a it. It is something in the Star Wars universe. We know that's what the Imperials use. Yeah. Um, I just had one more tiny little note for Act 2, which I just thought it was cool. Anakin's last conversation to Ahsoka in Clone Wars, he says to her, good thing I taught you otherwise. And in Ezra's last conversation with Kanan, Ezra says, good thing you taught me otherwise. Aww, all the feels. All the feels! There, <laughs> was an- there was another rhyme in this this part too another star wars ride yeah when kanan when kanan comes in to to rescue sabine or hera i mean when he comes in to re- rescue hera they play a just a probably a 20 second chunk of uh music from uh star wars where they where they bust into the um detention level to rescue princess leia oh yeah like and that. it's one of my favorite music cues in all of Star Wars. It's one of the most exciting, like, just, uh, it's got the style of ba 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 and, it, and it's very, and it's, uh, just got some really nice, it's very rousing music. And as soon as it, as soon as it hit, it's just like, it immediately puts me into the detention center in which, so it's, he's doing a very similar thing. And the, and that was something they did early on in Rebels a lot, like big, like whole segments from earlier soundtracks. But then as they went on, Kiner sort of developed his own style and and started just doing his own thing. But like every once in a, it, 
So when those original John Williams cues pop up, they do them very purposely. You know, they 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 do them very. At first, they sort of did them randomly the first couple seasons, but now when they pop up, they almost always directly reference something cool, some rhymey stuff. Yeah. I like it. I like it when that happens. So are we all ready for Act Three? No, yeah, I'm ever ready emotionally, at least. <laughs> That's okay, I have some jokes Depends in there. Depends on what you mean by ready, Hope. Well, I, I have some jokes in there to soften the blow. I, mean, so. I, I, might, I might go downstairs and get my cat and put my cat on my lap. Oh, how is Bernice doing? Bernice is mellow. Terrence has a brand new cat. I don't want to get started on Bernice because I have a really gross story about Bernice. It's very funny, but Chris it's involved. has a new a, cat named Bernice, involved. everybody. Yes, Bernice has, Bernice has calmed down. Bernice has settled in more. She's still, she still will bat at you if you pet her too much, but she doesn't claw you anymore. She just, That's that, good. She, she, she's liking us now, so she just gives us a little bat. Zeb will still claw us. Uh, <laughs> Zeb's a big, fat asshole, but, but I love she's, him. Yeah. <laughs> She's she's a youngin and and un, and needs to be spayed <laughs> as soon as possible. That's all I'm gonna say. All right. Well, Act Three. <laughs> oh no, Yoda! Yoda's not here, allowed in my house. It's a sad. We don't need that right now. It's sad. It's sad time. Mm, kitty. Act Three. Act Three. <laughs> the Imperials break back into Ari's office. Rook immediately leaps out the window to go after them. Ari tells the rest to lock down the base, get some gunships to blast those blasted rebels. In the middle of all of this, the space kids manage to steal a ship and have to get rid of the stormtroopers inside. Kanan, with Hera on his back, manages to climb back up to the platform where their gliders are hiding. She's super impressed by the gliders and wants to fly them right now. So Kanan huh, takes a deep breath. And he starts talking to himself, going, Okay, Kanan, big moment. Just have to be really romantic to my space wife. No big deal. We clearly love each other since we had sex before this because she's currently pregnant with my child. Okay, here it goes. Romance time. But there's no time for romance because Rook pops out of nowhere going, I'm going to cock block you, sucker. And Kanan's like, oh no, my cock has been blocked. And then they fight. And in the middle of the fight, Kanan loses his lightsaber as it falls off the Imperial Dome. But he has the Force and he shoves Rook off the side too. But there's no resting, because now there's Death Troopers that appear and shoot at them. And even drugged, Hera, General Hera Space Mom Syndulla snags Kanan's blaster and kills a dude because she's awesome. Covering for her, Kanan takes over shooting while Hera gets the glider ready. And together they leap off and fly away... But their, blast, but their glider gets shot, and now it's on fire. Probably knowing through the Force that it's where they need to be for the future of saving Lothal, Kanan tells her to go to the fuel depot, and then make it just short of the depot and run into the area. Rook is okay, by the way, in case anybody was wondering. He calls up Arinda and tells her what direction the rebels are heading, and Bitch Wife puts on her stupid army hat, gets in a walker, and heads out. Kanan and Hera call the kids and tell them to pick them up on top of the central fuel pod. Not dangerous at all. It's only very flammable gas that explodes easily. What could possibly go wrong? And with four minutes left in the podcast, 
it's time for the feelings portion of this episode. So Kanan and Hera, space parents who love each other so much, get on top of the explodey thing. And Hera stops him and says, Kanan, I love you, even though it's been really obvious in season one. And Kanan is like, whoa, I'm surprised, despite the fact that it's been super obvious in season one and you're currently pregnant, which means we've had sex at least once. What a turn of events! And the music swells, and they share a long kiss. A light floods the area, and there's Sabine and Ezra in the ship, ready to pick them up. And Ezra jokingly says, Gross! My parents are K-I-S-S-I-N-G! I'm happy you guys love each other so much, but let's get out of here! And it looks like another victory for our heroes. Until Bitch Wife rolls up in her walker. Governor Price gives the order to destroy the fuel pods, despite her men arguing back. And she presses the order and they fire. And as the fuel pods start to explode, Kanan runs out and holds back the blast with the force. Hera screams for her space husband, but he stops her with the force. Turning back to gaze at her, Kanan keeps his promise to Hera from season two. He sees her for one last time. And then Kanan Jarrus, space husband, space dad, Jedi Knight, war hero, survivor of the Jedi Order, sacrifices himself to save his family as he force pushes their ship away from the blast and the episodes fades into ash the end <laughs> I forgot I forgot like for some reason in my head when Kanan died that there was more mystical stuff um, mixed up in it for some reason I thought the temple was more involved and stuff and then as i watched i remembered watching it the first time and that he dies just like a very i I don't want to say mundane death but like uh it's a very jedi death saving his friends but it's just like a death in an explosion you know usually there's like they do something they they fade away he might have done the fade away disappear actually because sprayed all over lethal yeah. Oh, Candace. <laughs> Just being honest, I'm really sad. <laughs> but, but like, but it's very, it's it's very just like it's just like a death in the middle of an adventure. You know, it's not like that. Like you know, he's in the temple fighting the emperor or something like that. It's and and it's it's almost shocking in its mundanity because it's like the it's like Hope said the end of every episode where they're like, okay, let's go, and we won. And, uh, and like it's it pretty dialogue. Idea. There's like really no dialogue for his death, really, which is which is unusual. And I think is was a really great decision on the way they they portrayed it. And uh, but he's he's you know, I mean, he's given a heroic death, but it, it's not as like tied into the mystical Jedi stuff as I seem to remember it was. But I kind of like it better that way. I, I don't find it mundane, but first, can we talk about what a petty bitch the price is? I love it. <laughs> I She's love willing to sacrifice all the fuel which she needs just to kill those people who got away. 
That is some petty level shit. I, I actually have a note about Arinda because I, I love Arinda. Like, I, I love villains. If, if anybody knows me, knows that I love villains. And this is step one of them losing Lothal. This is the reason Thrawn loses is because because what's what's happening right now in Thrawn Treason is he's arguing with Krennic that who Krennic wants his money for his TIE Defender project to be put it towards the Death Star. And Thrawn's in here going, I know, like, I have my project, you have your project, you can't have my money. And then Orinda does this, and it's what causes Thrawn to lose, to lose his entire project. And it's also step one of them losing Lothal. And the fun thing about Orinda is she has no military background. She's a politician. She's a governor. She has no military background, but she's so eager to play war. But it's her fault that they lose because she just has all this hubris with her. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's been her flaw since the very beginning. She's been, like, she's lucky she's made it to where she is. But, yeah, she's, yeah. Like, but it's a flaw that sort of runs through the Empire, you know? It's almost like you kind of have to... I mean, this is how Constantine died. He was just full of hubris, and he's to, like, you have I to can be, do it. You have yeah. to be flawed to Tarkin. be there in the first place, you know? Yeah, even Tarkin, just like you said. But yeah, just thinking about Price when um, Sabine is undercover as a pilot, she just like she tries to like fight her herself, doesn't like call for backup or anything like that, and Sabine gets away. But I I agree with you, Candace. I don't think it's very it it feels mundane because it feels just like a normal episode. But because this is step one of them losing Lothal, like, the more I thought about it, it was Kanan's idea to go to the fuel depot. It wasn't like, just land on any building we can land on. It was Kanan going, we need to go to the fuel depot. Yeah. Because well, this is what, complete. because that's actually what Hera was going after when they, in the last episode, Rebel Assault, their target was the fuel depot. That yeah. was their target. And yeah, this no. completed Hera's mission. I think, I think Kanan had through the Lothwolves basically had a whole movie of the whole thing going down. So purposely he would like guided it in that direction. You know, he, I, I think as soon as Kanan started talking to the Lothwolves, he was sort of tied into like a sort of fate situation, you know, where the Loth, maybe not like it had to happen, but it had to happen that way in order you know it had to happen with Kanan dying and and blowing up the the in the explosion of the fuel depot in order for what plays out in the next you know few episodes to happen and to line up all the stuff with the force and the future and and all that so I think you know I think he knew like basically, if he if he and Hera didn't kiss, they could have gotten out, both of them gotten out out of there scot free. But oh yeah, but they wouldn't the taken shot. Like, but it wouldn't they wouldn't have taken shots at the at the at them to blow to blow the thing up. So I I, I think by that time Kanan is just like I'm dying today and I'm dying on top of a a in a fuel explosion, you know, and. Uh, one of the things that you were I saying... I mean, he spends all part two telling everybody goodbye, basically. Like, every line he does is is uh, is trying to, you know, square... You know, he knows he's... He knows 
when he's going to talk to somebody for the last time, you know, that may the force be with you. And he jumps off the building. That's he knew and was like, I'm going to play, you know, play this out this way. What were you saying, Candace? Um, something that you were saying, um, hope during your, um, recap, my terrible terrible recap. No, your lovely recap that made me (laughs) not cry as much as the episode. So I appreciate that. Um, so you were saying like Cannon's like trying to talk to her and trying to be like, oh, I love you and everything like that. But I think he was trying to tell her that she was pregnant. Ooh. Because I think that's another reason why he thinks he's too emotionally compromised because his child's on the line too. That's interesting. So, but they I had mean, that they had that scene a couple episodes ago where she touched her belly too when they were talking. Yeah, so maybe she knows too because she also says I never told him. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So I think oh. they both knew, but they didn't know the other knew. Oh. I actually wrote this. I've actually written this fan fiction. <laughs> wow. So wow, that makes a lot of sense. If you go on Archive of Our Own and look up the name Chaos Lydia, I have a story called It's Only a Matter of Time. And it's about Kanan and Hera sitting in the ghost together before she leaves. Um, and her telling him that she's pregnant and he's, and his final line is like, don't worry, we have all the time in the world. I, I, I have written this fan fiction. It's on archive of her own. <laughs> Man, I really like, it was interesting watching it from that point of view, knowing, and I'm also like, how, how did Hera stay pregnant? The force was watching out for this fetus <laughs> during this torture. It's because it, it was know, there is precedence to that, too, because I, at least because I've been slowly going through the, the Legends Thrawn trilogy where Leia's pregnant and, like, Luke can sense the babies inside of her. He's like, yeah, I feel their force energy. It's really strong. Like, they can sense that, Yeah. Um, no, at least in Legends. Yeah, I, I remember that in Legends, too. Yeah, Anakin's a dumbass. Doesn't know I, his wife's pregnant. I love Anakin. Doesn't know, nobody knows there's twins. We go through that during our revenge episode on Geeky Girl Gab, but how he couldn't know there were twins because he was surprised in Revenge of the uh, Return of the Jedi. I just love that Anakin's a dumbass. <laughs> well, also <laughs> during that time period, remember the dark side was clouding a lot of people's force sure. perceptions. Shut so up, they got Anakin's away with just a, a dumbass. Yeah, Anakin's definitely a big dork too. So yeah, so I definitely think that Kanan, they both knew. But they hadn't told each other. That is my theory, and that's how I read the scenes. Oh, I love it. I, love that I like that too. I might have to rewatch it thinking about that actually. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, what did she not tell him? Or and he says he's told her how he feels before. So why is he making such a big deal of it now? Because he knows he's about to die. Yes, that, and also, she's carrying his baby. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Candace's death. Candace, what were your feelings about it? Like, how how did you like it, or did you not like it, how it was done? Tell me about it. Um, I loved it. I mean, I obviously hated it because it made me feel feelings and emotions, but I think it was beautiful. I liked that 
it wasn't just a sacrifice for the greater good like a Jedi would do. It was also a man who was saving his family. So, and saving the people he loves. And I think, like, Kanan and Ahsoka, even though Ahsoka says she's not a Jedi, they are what the Jedi wish they could have been this entire time. And I think them loving other people is what gives them their power, gives them their strength. You actually touched on something that I've always said about Kanan. This entire time that we've been doing Rebels on this podcast is what makes Kanan so good is he got the very basics of Jedi teachings because he was a Padawan when Order 66 happened, but he didn't get dragged down by all the dogmatic bullshit of the Jedi Order. Yeah, all the politics of it. Because there definitely was politics to it. And that's what So all he has to rely on was his basic teachings and then the Force and trusting the Force and learning the Force. And that was his guide, which makes him and Ahsoka just the best Jedi. Kanan's my favorite Jedi, hands down. I love him. And I love this death for him too, but it just, it's it's beautiful. The music's powerful. But what gets me is his eyes Mm -hmm. because... Before he leaves for Malachor, it back in season two, the last thing he says to Hera is, I will see you again, I promise. And then, of course, he comes back blind. And then here he gets to see her one last time and gets to keep that promise to her. And it just hurts me. So it's, and, of it's, course, he was asking a few episodes before. He's like, I wish I could see you. But, of course... And she says, you could always see me. <laughs> Of course, the great thing, like, about A New Dawn is he, like, falls in love with her voice first. I made that point, too! <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, you're talking Hope's language here. I oh, know. It's so good. It's so good. And, of course, it's Vanessa Marshall's voice. Who wouldn't fall in love with that voice? Oh, I know. I love so, She could read me the freaking phone book, and I would listen to her for hours. Absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mark Thompson tries so hard in the audiobook to do a, a, a Hera voice, but it's just not she the same. I love him, but he should have. She should have done the series. The book. I, I would love to hear her do a Freddie Prince Jr. It's <laughs> fun. I, I just love hearing the because in the early days of of this podcast network, um, my my other my other podcasting partner Scott Gardner and I kept getting comments of people going like, "We'd listen to you guys read the phone book." So eventually one day we read the phone book (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know that for like two hours yeah there's like there's there there is a uh there's definitely a uh (laughs) podcast of scott gardner and i reading the phone book how did i not know that i've known you for 10 years (laughs) we got people to listen to a rickroll for two hours once so wow that's cool what what were your thoughts on Kanan's death, Chris? She um, said it was basic. Uh, w- well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was the first time I saw it, I was disappointed in it because I was like we were talking about earlier. I was expecting it to happen at the very end, and I expected it to be more mystical, sort you know, sort of in in line with other. And like we were saying before. Um, when when um and it all started with ahsoka like i remember when i first saw the first clone wars movie and they introduced ahsoka it's like whoa they're introducing this like like chirpy like kid-friendly young jedi 
and we know they all die. <laughs> it's kind of dark. And then when they bring in Je- like Jedi characters like Kanan and, and Ezra, like you think, oh, geez, you know, these guys cannot make it to the, you know. And there were people, you know, there were the rumors like, oh, Ezra becomes, goes evil and becomes one of the Knights of Ren and all that stuff. So, but with Ahsoka and Clone Wars, they sort of set the precedent of like, yeah, maybe she doesn't have to die. You know, they made it plausible that, that, that she didn't have to die to square up everything with all the future stories. So there was always a little bit of like, okay, you know, Kanan and Ezra don't necessarily have to die, but they have to figure out some way that they're not going to be involved or known by the other Jedi or whatever. Okay, well, maybe they can do that. But, like, I don't know. Like you guys were saying, from the very beginning, you figure Kanan's not going to make it. Maybe Ezra, but Kanan isn't going to make it. And And I thought the way they did it the second way, the second time I watched it, I think it's taking out him and Hera I think it's it was kind of perfect in in a way I think it was very very well done and uh like I I love that they did it without any like last words or you know it was just just fading to the ash yeah yeah it just it was just very well done and yeah and and it's shocking to have it come right out of a you know series you know the midpoint in the season the way they do it now so it was it, they they got you unexpected with it and i thought that was a good move too what were we saying candace um what if he said i would be i'm right behind you oh god <laughs> that would have killed me oh, oh i mean he already said that once and he oh. got sent to mustafar so i mean that's enough oh. of that emotions oh. but yeah the yeah. The, the sound, the music, and then the, that fading to ash and with the credits with no music or n- none of that triumphant Star Wars music. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a different experience because you're used to the episode ending a certain way and it ends with how you're feeling and your heart just sink, sinks. I also think it's interesting um, because we, it's, such a, it's usually invisible to actually physically see the force like a force field. And I don't can't recall any other time in Star Wars where we could actually physically see the Force as it's holding because we can see it as he's holding at the fire. It's like a bubble, and you can see like there's a layer there. Um, Think of anything. Yeah. See Force lightning and stuff like that. But yeah, it's and it kind of like I remember like Force Awakens seeing Kylo Ren like start stop a blaster bolt it's interesting to see what the force can exactly do. Like we've seen like physical object objects, but what like things like gas and like fire. Yeah. It, it almost reminded me like Sue storm. Like when she makes yes. the force field powers, it, it, yes. it, it's a very Sue storm moment. You're not, you're um, not really seeing the force. You're just seeing the force defined by the border of the fire and stuff like that. Yeah. The, yeah. So you see a, a force field. It's literally a force field. <laughs> it's literally a force field. And and the other part of it that gets me is Sabine crying because she only cries one other time in the series, and that's in Trial of the Dark Saber when she's just spilling her guts out to Kanan about her family. And that moment where she's like wiping her eyes as she's driving away, that gets me so much because 
I've it's it's so jarring to see Sabine of all people crying because that's just not something we normally see from her. No, and you also have to imagine like how hard that is for her to do too. Yeah, I mean we we were talking about this in here during uh, all the Mandalore arcs with Sabine, and one of the things that was most interesting to me was Kanan's relationship to her versus her parents' relationship to her. And uh, I have a blended family. I, I have two step parents and two wonderful parents. Um, and it, it to me, it's very much like that. Like she has her her parents' parents, but Kanan is also her dad. And there's a scene with Kanan and Ursa where she's like, he's like, your daughter is really awesome. And she's like, well, you kind of have a part of that. And so like she's losing her her father figure. Like he is their dad. Would you would you? You know that old vine where it's like, you're my dad. Woogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> I've made that joke too many times. Um, but yeah, that, that's the other part of this is getting me. It's just seeing Sabine's reaction because, oh, and Hera's just look of horror. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, and just knowing, like, every time, like, when he says goodbye to everybody, when he's just, like, saying for a while, you're like, that's the last time Zeb's going to see him. That's the last time Ezra and... Sabine will talk to him kind of thing. And it's just, it's really rough to. I, I thought it was so telling that Zeb's last line to him was, at least you have the force with you. No, I'm glad you have the force, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I actually wrote it down word for word. Let me just scroll to act one right fast. What was See, that's, say? A, that's the thing. Kanan was able to craft his last moments with everybody. Oh, yeah. Zeb said, I'm glad the force is with you. And it was in this moment. Yeah, probably hey. more than ever in his life. You know, this is probably the culmination of all his, his like, forced timeline, you know? Yeah, and we all thought, like, we knew, like, we were saying, like, a lot of us figured Kanan was going to be dead by the time the series ended. But, again, it wasn't, like, for this huge epic reason, like, he wasn't saving a planet full of people. It What happened did help in the end with Lothal, but he, again, he was just saving the people he loved. Just just saving his friends in a regular adventure, in a very standard sort of adventure they would have, you know, instead of this big, you know, battle with Palpatine or, or you know, or, or it's, it's a big moment, but and you it, don't really goes, know what yeah. a big moment it is until maybe the second time you've seen it after you've seen how the rest of it plays out. You know, it's it's it, the first time through. It's kind of abrupt. It's just sort of like, well, you're yeah. taking this character out at this point. How are, how are we going to move forward here? Yeah, because he's always been the, like the de facto leader. Like Kara mm -hmm. is also the leader, too, but she's usually in the sky while he's the ground leader. Yeah. And, and, and they and, were definitely a partnership. So and, and Ezra's like basically at that point where he's ready to be on his own you know you're never ready but he is he's ready you know we've been yep. watching Ezra get become more mature as it goes on and yeah and finally this would be a, a moment where Kanan could leave and have Ezra be in a position more like his original position as a Jedi instead of just as a potential li overpowered liability <laughs> you know Actually, he's he's treating Ezra much better than what his own master did because in in the, yeah. in the last Padawan comics, Depo lies to make Kanan leave, and she says, 
Padawan run, I'm right behind you, which is, mm-hmm. and, and it actually, I, th- I think the text says something like, that's the only time my master ever lied to me. Yeah, um, well, I mean, Kanan's a better Jedi teacher than most of the Jedi teachers we've seen, and, and Ezra's a better Jedi student than most of the Jedi students that we've seen, I think. Ezra, like, Ezra, get, like, Luke, Luke Skywalker, you had to beat every idea into his head. And even by Rise of Skywalker, he was still, you know, Yoda was still whacking him in the head. Whereas Ezra at first was sort of like that. But once Ezra started to get it and understand it, he didn't fight it. You know, he he, he went along with it and and worked with it and would take what Kanan said to heart. And you could see him learn it, take it to heart and put it into action like almost immediately. And uh that's usually not how it goes in in Star Wars movies. Usually, it's a lot messier than that, and the 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 Padawan is usually a little more insolent or 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 not not getting it. So, I I always liked that. I always liked that that I I always thought that Ezra's learning of the Force was more realistic in in what they've set up for for jedis like it it seemed like ezra was actually like learning this stuff from kanan that makes any sense no definitely does and it's just hard it's hard comparisons this is a series and then that's a yeah yeah i actually made that you said that earlier (laughs) yeah i made that argument before i i remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine um, and we were, he was talking about Bodhi Rook from Rogue One. And of course, you know, I love Bodhi Rook so much. Mm-hmm. And he was saying like how he wasn't a really developed character. And I was, and I was like, well, compare him to Hera. Like she's had four seasons worth of development. Right. And he had right. like 90 minutes. Right. Yeah, it's just like whenever anybody tries to compare Ahsoka and Rey, I'm like, look at how many seasons and books. Ahsoka and, has had. Yes. And, and can't it all just be fruit? Like they're all different kinds of fruit, but it. But at the end of the day, they're all still fruit. Like, Ray's an apple, Ahsoka's an orange, Ezra's a banana. Like, it, But at the end of the day, it's all well, still fruit. There's, Ezra's there's a blueberry, con- Hope. Ezra a is a blueberry. Bear. I actually, that's its nickname on the podcast, I know. I know, there's, get right. Except for when context. he's tempted by the dark side and then he's the blackberry. Oh, you know, I, I mean, Ro- Rogue One was playing with the tropes of a World War II doomed mission story. You know, it's it's... You develop every. I mean, Bodhi Rook was one one of an ensemble cast in a in a two hour movie. You know, Chris, we've done so- a whole two hour podcast about this. <laughs> He's the main character. <laughs> we've done this podcast before, <laughs> Honeywell. We've done that. Remember, well, it was know, called he, Bodhi Rook Save Star Wars. We actually had he, art commissioned for it. He can, <laughs> I he will can, fight you. I, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with you, but I can agree with that. I, I can agree with that concept enough you to say with like. You agree with me in our commentary. Well, I could say like he was the main character, but as far as screen time goes, he doesn't get that much. Compared main, to someone like Hera. Or, or or compared to someone like Jyn Erso in the movie, you know. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, he, he. I mean, Bodhi Rook probably gets what, like ten or fifteen minutes of screen time if you add it all together to 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 sketch out the what his character is and for the amount of time that he's on screen and that they give a lot of you know they give you a lot to work on on his character but 
not four seasons worth of of character building. Yeah. Well, did you have anything else for Act Three? I like that it seemed like a normal mission, and of course, it ends. Of course, there's like hints of things, but like it ends in a very different way. Yeah. Chris, did you have anything else for Act Three? No, not really. I didn't have anything else either, so now... Time to score it up. No, it's not. (laughs) So, guys, as we've said in the show, it's time for Chris's favorite part of the episode. So, um, let me explain this, and I am going to read it all out, Chris. Time time to score it up, Pope. No, it's not. Um, I'm going to read them, them all out, Chris, because we we have Candace here, and we might have uh, new listeners I listening. I figured. Yeah. So, as we said, Chris hates Thrawn, but I love Thrawn. So, every time Thrawn is in an episode, Chris has to say something nice about Thrawn, because I made this role. <laughs> so, these are the things that Chris has already said about Thrawn, and he can't reuse any of these. So, here are the nice things that Thra- Chris has said about Thrawn. He likes his appearance. He's never killed a character that Chris liked. Thrawn keeps a neat, tidy office, and it's organized with nice decorations. Thrawn has very good enunciation, and he's a very clear clear speaker, unlike me. Thrawn is cool because he's a nerd with a pocket protector. Chris is delusional, but I'm super proud he came up with a headcanon, because he thinks Thrawn would totally smoke pot with Bindu, so hooray for Chris for making up headcanons. Thrawn is a considerate boss who checks in on his employees. Thrawn would be a good player in a game of chicken. Chris likes hologram Thrawn because he's tiny and Chris can hold him in his hands. And Chris thinks holocron Thrawn is super cute. And Thrawn must have something on Palpatine where it keeps him from being demoted. So, Chris, what's your nice thing about Thrawn in this episode? <coughs> um, um, he's barely in it. <laughs> that, there's, that, there's that and... You he can't steal that one, Chris. Good, he at least has the good manners to apologize to somebody during their, their torture session. Good manners to apologize to Hera for Thrawn explaining exactly. Exactly. her culture. There you like, go. Like, See? like, I will give him that, like, he. I don't think that was a sarcastic apology. I think he really was like, you're right. You're right. It is your culture. I'm, I'm being a jerk. But at the same time, he knew he was being a jerk. But uh, dun, yeah, dun, I, dun, I thought that was a sincere apology he gave Hera. Dun, 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 dun. That was Chris's favorite part of the episode. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Candace, since you are our guest, what are your final thoughts of the episode? And score it up on a scale of one to ten. Um. Overall, I love this episode for the impact. It broke my heart and it made me cry, which is, will tell you like how emotional it is and how it, like, I appreciate how Canon was built up and his story and how it was told and also how it ended. It felt like poetry. So I think it's a nine out of 10. Nice. All right, Chris, score up the episode. I'm with Candace. I gave it a nine out of ten. Um, the, I, I mean, watching the watching the episode itself is where I got the nine. Like, there, there was stuff that stuck out. Like, I was thinking about the Hera being drugged thing too. But 
after I watched it, you know, after I watched it, when I was putting my notes together, I started thinking about it. But during the watching of the episode, it didn't consciously take me out of it. It was obviously I was picking it up somewhere, but like that, um, especially the second time through, I liked it a lot better than the first time knowing where it goes. Yeah, I, I, I really liked this episode. I thought it was it's um, we've been, had a very consistently good season so far, but this is where all the work and building of the past three and a half seasons is starting to really come together, you know, and all the, the storylines are playing out. And this one has a very star wars feel to it and the ending of it not very star warsy in its execution but very dramatic and emotionally almost perfect uh, so yeah i thought kanan's death was handled beautifully in this and uh it's kind of messy but they it's kind of purposely messy and it, that messiness goes into the the future of it so yeah nine, nine out of ten i'm the odd man out <laughs> um i don't get me wrong i do love this episode but i have never liked the drugged Hera scene it always has always made me queasy and it's skeevy and it's gross and it takes away a lot of how i feel about this episode and just going back through rebels again i'm i'm not a fan of how they write Kanan and Hera in season four. But all that said, like, I still love this episode. Kanan's death is a very powerful moment. It's a beautiful moment. The music and the animation, it's mm -hmm. gorgeous. Him keeping his promise to her. So I didn't go as high as you two, but I gave it an eight out of 10. It's still 80%. You know, I had a thought today, and this is what we got to do in the future, Hope. Huh? Because when I was reviewing these notes, I was like, of course, we're not doing... Uh, um uh feedback this week because we have a guest but we're also not doing candy and uh -huh. i don't and 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 uh and since we have a, a a a guest this week who theoretically could be nicknamed candy we really i am dropped, not a stripper dropped drop the bar really drop the bar see i don't think of it as a stripper name because i had a neighbor when i was a kid that was named candy so i just think of i i actually i know I, I but that's what my mom another, told me i i think of all the like candies that i know that. not the not the and now, now if it was misty or something maybe i would be thinking stripper name but i think in the future hope when we have a guest if we if we know a had we need to mail them candy so we can all do candy so then our guests can eat candy with us because that's always part one of the best parts of the show. We we have a, a listener who's a friend of ours who's a, a flight attendant. And he flies all over the world and he heard me bitching about how crappy American Kit Kats are when you get your hands on some Canadian Kit Kats, which have real chocolate in them. And he just started mailing Hope and I matching boxes of candy from around the world focused on Kit Kats from around the world, but basically just candy from around the world. And we, we eat one every episode and rate it. But I think from now on, and we have to make sure you come back so that, that you get candy sometime, that we that we mail out candy to our guests so that they can be be prepared for the episode and we can all 
We can all get sugared up at the end. It's so much fun unwrapping the unwrapping it, trying to figure out what country it's from, what the new flavor is going to be. We just had we just had sake Kit Kats a couple weeks ago. We had baked Kit Kats a couple weeks ago. And now, now I'm feeling bad because now I feel like I'm gloating about it. But we don't have any no candy this week, though. I just think it's easier not to mention the candy. <laughs> but I, I just know, I was thinking of that candy. today. I was thinking of that today. Hope I think we've really dropped the ball with all. I think all of our guests. I mean, it's going to be a big pain in the ass with Buko and Robbie because one of them's in in um, New Zealand. In New Zealand, so that's going to be an expensive piece of candy to ship, but. That would be worth it. I'm not against that idea. I think we would have to definitely very much plan ahead. Candace, you want me to mail you some candy? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm trying to lose the quarantine weight right now. <laughs> I'm embracing it. This is this is gonna take some time. This is this is happening for a little while. <laughs> Well, as Chris said, um, we always love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Um, we're not doing any feedback this week because, of course, we have a guest. We're running a little bit long right now. So make sure you send your feedback for the episode, and we'll be happy to hear from you. Well, that's all I have for the episode. Did you guys have anything else? Um, you can find my podcast at geekygirlgab.com. I was just about to lead into that. Oh, Candace, oh, where can people okay. find you? Geekygirlgab.com. Um, we're all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even a TikTok, which stars my dog, Bucky J. Barks. Ooh. His name is Bucky J. Barks? The Summer Soldier. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I was almost expecting Bucky J. Barks the third. I was, it's Bucky J. Barks the Esquire. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's a 17-pound Chihuahua Corgi mix. Wow. Oh my god! <laughs> He's fucking adorable. That sounds oh like god. a lot of fun. He is the best thing in the entire world. I can't even imagine what a quirky chihuahua looks like in my head. It looks just like a really big, long chihuahua. It's something in my brain. very short. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you his Instagram. His Instagram is Bucky J. Barks, if anybody wants to follow that. I'm pulling it up right now. <laughs> if any, if, if for us, the rest of the dogs listening right now, yeah, they're all, they're all wagging their tails right now. They probably already know about yeah. Bucky J. Bucky J. Bork, Barks. Bork, Bork. For all you know, Bucky J. Barks might be the PewDiePie of dogs on online. Oh my god, he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> This is much cuter than what I was imagining in my brain, which was also cute. But this is far I, cuter. I, 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 I'm already picturing him in a in a smart smart um, uh, tux with tails and a and a top hat on. He does have a few bow ties. Ooh, yeah, that's a definite bow tie name. That he's that's a definite bow tie type of dog too. <laughs> Oh my no, God. he has a black bow tie for formal occasions. He has a plaid one. He <gasps> wants to be He's fun. He's in a little Santa suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he voted like a good dog. What a good yes. boy. I'm sorry, now I'm looking at your Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, where can people find you? Well, was that oh. it? Candace, hold on. Uh, did you have anything else, like any other side projects you wanted to talk about or anything? <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website that holds the all the vaults of all of our podcasts, including Jay Guys and Jedi, which is this one. And you can subscribe to our RSS feed there or at iTunes. We are also on Facebook at the Two True Freaks podcast and the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is uh, the um, the cantina is just sort of more of our hangout place. And the 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 other one, the, the main one is just sort of where we list our podcasts. And we also list them on Twitter. And when I say we list them on Twitter, I mean Gene Gene, the podcasting machine, works them on Twitter. Gene. Gene. It's just and, a thing. Uh, just roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to do the Gene song every time. And I think that's about it for me. I've got uh, Bernice here, but Bernice is... Bernice has not been venturing into my podcast room yet, but if she does, she'll have a voice very similar. She's she's very Marge Simpson right now. She does a lot of. Um, a few meows here and there, but, but hopefully, hopefully as as the days go on, she'll be uh, expanding her horizons through the house. She was. She was born and raised in small, cramped surroundings, so I think she's taking her time exploring the house. But someday we might have Bernice uh, broadcasting along. I won't be shy about letting my cat wail into the <laughs> microphone. I mean, every time my cats are in here yelling, you play the meow mix song, so I expect the same thing. Oh, from hope! You. Wait till you hear. Wait till you hear this week's episode. Oh boy, it's meow mixed out out the butt. <laughs> when was my cats last in the room with me? I don't the, remember. The meow mix just keeps coming and going. And we just can't stop the, the, in, in this week's oh, episode. Oh, because there's locked cats. Ah. Well, and we were talking. I was That was at the time when I was just going to check out my new cat. And it was coming home the next day. So there's a lot of cat talk in that oh, episode. I remember this. Okay. It's, 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 it's kitted out. The, is it the Flight of the Defender? Is that the episode coming out this week? Because there's a lot of cats in that episode. I believe it is. We are looking at. We can edit all this out, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, no, I, it is Flight of the Defender. You're reason. right. You're right. Um, A lot of kitty talk in Flight of the Defender. Yeah. And uh, but that's that's where you can find me and my cat. Where can they find you and your cats? Uh, you can find me at J Guys and Jedi. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax. I also have my website, geekygirlexperience.com, where I write all sorts of reviews. And Chris and I actually have another podcast over at Geeky Girl Experience called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I force Chris to watch my favorite shows. And we're currently going through Gravity Falls right now. And that one's a bi weekly show. So we're and, having. And a can I tell you, Hope, I'd just. Maybe I notice it more because we're doing that podcast, but like just people in my life that I work with or talk to or stuff lately, everybody's been talking up Avatar. So I am I'm chomping at the bits to, to get to I Avatar. Can't, I can't I can't wait till we finally get to watch Avatar because everybody's just like Avatar, Avatar, and I want to see that DNA of dave filoni too so i'm really dave filoni and uh justin ridge who did resistance he got his start on avatar too and george kirstick who was on yeah. Clone wars too so i'm 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 really looking forward to to seeing that i did offer to do avatar first 
<laughs> just saying but it's okay no i think we started out with the perfect thing because it's yeah it's, you're it's, enjoying it's, gravity falls yeah i'm enjoying gravity falls a lot actually it's not like i have i'm like can't wait to get through gravity falls gravity falls isn't that long anyway but yeah i'm yeah. enjoying it a lot yeah um and as i also said those earlier in my list say what oh both of those things are on my list well uh gravity falls is on disney plus so it's it's yeah it's there, man. And you'll have a fun podcast if you want to go along with it, but no no pressure. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, Candace, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Oh. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. And I guess next week we'll be talking, we'll, we'll be getting back more into things, as next time we're going to talk about the episode Doom. Yeah, I, I need to watch that episode now because I need to remember all those feelings after discussing this episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, Closure. Yeah, so come back next week, guys, for more feelings and crying and stuff. Ugh. <laughs> all right, bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> I was hoping we'd end it on a higher note than that. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.